This is Your Analyst, episode number 117, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking about some new Google Sheets functions in 2023 that'll help you do data manipulation, data transformation, and the key takeaway here is that these Google Sheets functions that came out in 2023 actually came out in Excel a couple years ago. So these functions aren't really new, they aren't really that interesting in my opinion, but they are new to Google Sheets in 2023. It's definitely been a minute since the last Dear Analyst episode. Um, yeah, not sure what to say. Life just gets in the way, work, other things. And uh, yeah, I just can't believe in the past I was doing these episodes once a week. But here I am in 2023, and hopefully I can get them down to every month. But from the looks of this year so far, it's, it hasn't been looking that way. So I'll continue to try to make these episodes every month if I can, but don't hold me to it. So I I just want to get right into it. So what are these new 2023 Google Sheets functions? Um, they are really meant, I think, for beginner Google Sheets user Users, uh, I actually saw the announcement back in February of this year, and the functions were turned on in my Google Sheets like for a hot minute, and then all of a sudden Google decided to shut them down because I think there's something wrong with the rollout. You can see more in the blog post on the announcement when they announced these new functions, and so I kind of just forgot about these for a while, and then I realized, hey, I wonder if these functions exist in my Google Sheets now. So a couple months later, it's May. I realized these functions do exist, and it turns out Excel rolled them or Google Sheets rolled them out, I think, in March to all users. So they should be available to all Google Sheets users now for free users too. And start playing around with them and realized, yeah, they are okay. And I again, I think they're meant for beginner Excel users. And I'll tell you, I'll talk about what that means more in a minute. Um, they're a direct copy of what already exists in Excel, especially if you already if you have Office 365. These already come from Excel 365. They, you know, Google Sheets has some features that differentiate it from Excel, but for the most part, I always feel like Google Sheets, ever since they came out in like 2009, is always playing catch up to Excel. And I feel like these functions are just another example of Google Sheets playing catch up to Excel. And the reason why I think these new functions are kind of like meant for beginner Excel or bigger, I can't say Excel, beginner Google Sheets users is because they kind of assume that your data is not organized in a structured way in your Google Sheet. You might have time periods across the columns. You might have time periods across the rows. You might have headers, subheaders, sub subheaders. Your data just simply is not organized and it might have come from like a PDF or something. And the key takeaway I think from these functions is that Google and Excel or Microsoft basically assumes that most people, and I'm generalizing here, most people don't typically organize and clean their data for the purposes, purposes of a pivot table. And as you know, if you read one of my previous blog posts that data has to be structured in a certain way to be fit for a pivot table. 
but rather most Google Sheets and Excel users are using spreadsheets for simple ease of use and being able to quickly spot a number, a name, some text on the spreadsheet. So with that in mind, that's why I think these Google Sheets functions are targeted more at the beginner spreadsheet user who probably isn't using a ton of formulas, who's probably just coloring cells and organizing cells in the spreadsheet. And they just are simply kind of like managing a list of students in a classroom, trying to figure out who's sitting at what table during a banquet dinner, so on and so forth. Um, in the in the show notes, in the blog post, you'll also see I put a usefulness rating using a spicy red pepper. I'll just list, say out loud what the pepper is on over the podcast. Um, but that's my usefulness rating coming from a beginner spreadsheet user, beginner Google Sheets user. So let's get right into it. The first new Google Sheets function is called Epoch or Epoch to Date. And if I go into the spreadsheet and B, cell B3, if I just write equals, well, first of all, what's an A3? A3 is like a bunch of random numbers, but looks like random, random numbers, but this is actually a way to represent time, a date and time in Unix. So if I write equals epoch to date, let parentheses, and I put cell A3 inside that formula, you notice I get the date and time February 13th, 2023, 1.49 p.m. in 1.49 a.m. in the morning. So this is a pretty basic one. You typically get these numbers, these epochs coming from like a database output or from a Unix machine. And that's why I gave this useful usefulness rating a one chili pepper because I don't know how many people are typically getting these epoch times anymore in a database dump. I feel like many database modern database tools are dumping your dates in a readable format for humans and not in this epoch date. So this is probably more for older database tools. Just my opinion here. That's why I think so. That's why I think it's it's a one spicy pepper usefulness rating. So not really useful for the average uh, or for the beginner spreadsheet user. Okay, the next one is two row and two call. And that's T-O-R-O-W and T-O C-O-L. So in cells A7 through C10, I have three columns of data, group A, B, and C. In column A, I have group A, I have a few names under there, Ben, John, and Agnes, group B, I have a few names, and then group C, and a few names. And I actually gave this a five uh, usefulness rating, the, the maximum spiciness score. And it allows you to, th these formulas allow you to arrange a bunch of cells into a single row or column. And I'm a big fan of this one because it prevents the need to copy, cut and paste. So let's say I have these three lists of names in three different columns, right? And so if I wanna put all these names into one place today, you might copy these names, paste them like here into column E, and then copy the other group B's names, paste them below that first set, so on and so forth. Instead of doing that, you can just write two column. I'm in cell C, E5, E4, I'm gonna write equals T-O-C-O-L, left parentheses, and just select the names across A through C. And then notice how it just gives me a list of the names in one column. And that might be useful when you wanna quickly get basically a list of all the people in your classroom that are organizing groups. You wanna get all their email addresses organized in one column. Um, so I think this is a really fun way, or simple way to stack your data on top of each other. 
um, using to row, and then the opposite is using to, sorry, to call. The opposite is to row, where I can write equals to row, my parentheses, select my names, and it just puts everything into one row, which is not as useful compared to to call. So there are some interesting ways you can remove errors from the output, but in general, just writing to, I think the easier one to use is probably to call because you're typically organizing your data into uh, a column. All right, so the next one is choose rows and choose calls. That's C-H-O-O-S-E-R-O-W-S, and then choose calls. And it basically lets you choose which rows or columns you want from a data set. And I gave this a usefulness rating of four, four spicy peppers because it's a way, these functions are a way to quickly make it easier for you to filter out the data you don't need from a big data set. And let's say you want to quickly get the top three scores from your data set, or you want to get the, the top score and the last score. So in this case, I have cells A14 through E18. I just have a list of students in column A, um, their math scores in column B, their history scores in column C, so on and so forth. And over in column G, cell G14, I'm going to write ch equals choose rows, left parentheses, select um, A14 through E18, which contains my students my, and all their different test scores. I'm going to put choose rows, left parentheses, A14, colon E18, comma 1, comma 2, comma 3. And you'll see that it just gives me the output of the first three rows from that table. So just the, the student, math, history, science, gym headers. And then below that, I have the two students, Harry and Jenny, because I only pulled back, well, the first row, when I say choose rows one, that pulls back the first header row. Then two and three just pulls back the second and third row below that. So it's a way to quickly pull out rows um, from your data set. Now, conversely, choose calls. Similarly, you can say equals choose, I'm going to close this little helper thing, choose calls, the parentheses, select my entire data set, A14 to E18. And let's say I only want to choose calls, columns one, three, and four. And you'll see that it just gives me the columns of student history and science, which correspond to columns one, three, and four in my in my data set. So I actually find this choose calls to also be equally useful because you can just pull out the columns of data that matter for you. And this is kind of similar. I think this is actually an easier way to write the brackets syntax, which you might've used before, um, especially if you're creating a custom VLOOKUP formula where you're trying to have multiple conditions. If you write equals left, print, left bracket and then select students, which is column A, a14, A18, then comma, history, which is column C, comma, and then column E, gym, oops, uh, right bracket. You notice that you'll also get those three lists inside your Google Sheet. So I think this is choose rows and choose calls are kind of like an easier way, more user-friendly way to write that bracket um, notation. All right, the next one, number four, is wrap rows and wrap columns. And that's W-R-A-P rows and then W-R-A-P columns. This one's a little tricky to get used to. Um, in the show notes, I basically say that this is a way to turn a bunch of cells into a specified number of rows or columns. 
And the useful, usefulness rating I give for these functions is only a two because I think it's kind of an interesting formula, but it's only for a specific use case, I think. I'm not sure, maybe someone can tell me better use cases for this. But you give it a list of cells like in one column, or it could be multiple columns, I guess. And then you tell it how many rows to turn that one single list into. So for instance, if you have a list of, in column A, I have a really badly formatted um, list of data. And it says like name, then location, then age, then job. And then below that, it says Mary, Florida, 30, sales, John. So imagine that the, the name, location, age, job, these are what should be your column headers, but instead they're organized like row by row. So it's literally from row 22 starting, it says name, location, age, job, Mary, Florida, 30, sales, John, NYC. All these are basically data that's supposed to be under name, location, and age, and job. So if I write equals in cell E29, if I write equals wrap rows, left parentheses, and then say, select all my data in column A, comma, I think it's three, four rows. There you go. Um, notice how it just wraps my long list of data into four rows. So it says name, now it's now name, location, age, and job were properly along the columns. And so are the actual names of people, their locations and their ages. So that's one way of using it. Um, I think another way of using this is using two wrap columns where you have a list of names and you want to quickly put them into three columns or three teams. So in column C, I have a bunch of random names. And then column E, F, and G, I have the headers team one, team two, team three. I want to quickly create this list of names. There's about, there's 10 names. I want to quickly put them into three buckets, these three teams. So in cell E23, I'll write equals wrap calls, left parentheses, select my names, comma, three columns, comma, three, right parentheses. And actually, I want to do four. Because um, I want four, I want to put four values of data in into each column. And you notice that I can basically get these three columns or three team names. But notice how like there's, these NA cells in the last team three because there's only 10 names, but there's technically 12 spots, if you will. So a third parameter in wrap calls is after you put the number four, you can put something like um, no name, double quote. And it just replaces those NAs, those that pesky little error with whatever value you put in that last parameter. So it's kind of like an if error. If there's nothing there, just put in whatever, no name or whatever. You can even put in a blank, double quote, double quote. So there's just like a empty cells in the, those empty last two cells because it didn't have enough cells to wrap. Um, so that's wrap rows and wrap calls. Also, again, kind of useful, but not very useful to me. So I put it, give it a two pepper. Don't think it'll be very useful for beginner spreadsheet users easy either. Uh, v stack and H stack. This is a kind of an interesting one. I gave it a three rating because I think the reason vstack might be useful is because, here we go, is because you might have data sources coming from um, on three different Google Sheets in your file. So for instance, I, in my Google Sheet on shows, on the shows one sheet, I have a bunch of shows, the type, the title, the director, um, the show ID you can see goes from one through 20 on the first sheet. On shows two, I have 
shows 21 through 40, and then shows three, I have shows 41 through 60. So just three tabs of a bunch of shows. And let's say I want to combine all these shows together. There's multiple ways of doing this. And let's say you have some kind of, I don't know, daily like data dump that goes into these three different tabs, shows one, two, and three. What if you wanted to create like a primary main table that contains the aggregate view of all of these shows? So in cell A50 on the Google Sheet, what I can do is write equals V stack, V S T A C K, left parentheses, and then literally go to shows one and select everything from A1 through, in this case, it's uh, K21, and then comma, go to shows two. I'm not going to select this, the header cell from A1. We'll start from A2 down to K21, comma, go to shows three tab, and same thing, select from A2, excluding the header, and then going to K21, right parentheses, enter. And the output is simply, in row 50, I have the header columns, show ID, type, title. But if I scroll down, you'll see just kind of concatenates or adds all the data together, all the shows into one place. So as new data is being added to shows one, two, and three in these three different tabs, your main the VStack will basically combine all that data in together into one table or one array. So you don't have to worry about kind of cutting and pasting and doing any kind of like weird Google app script hacks. So that's where the VStack and HStack could come into play. Again, I think it's useful if your data happens to be structured where every single sheet has the perfect exactly structured data like this, where there's the same header columns and it's being updated, but I can't really think of any other interesting use case aside from, from that. But again, this also feels really similar to choose rows and choose calls for me because it's a simpler syntax of instead of having to put like the um, the brackets. So it could be an interesting use case for uh, a user-friendly version of using the bracket notation, which is just using H VStack and then HStack. Honestly, I don't know how you, when you use HStack in the Google Sheets, oh, sorry, in the blog post, they talk about how you can like concatenate dates together across the columns, but I find that honestly kind of weird. Um, the final one is let. So let here is, I remember when this first came out, like everyone was going, all the like Excel, Google Sheets, um, well, first came out in Excel. I think it's called Excel, let in Excel as well. But I remember when it first came out, like all the, you know, Google Sheets and Excel influencers went crazy and were publishing all these, you know, oh my God, this is going to unlock, you know, everything in Google Sheets and Excel. And I was like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, it's just, a way to assign a variable to a formula. And that's why I gave it a usefulness rating of a two, a two chili pepper because it already kind of exists with named ranges, to be honest. Like you can have a formula, output something into cell A1 and then go to the name. I mean, even Google Sheets, you can, I think there's a way to do it. You can go to data, yeah, name ranges and you can like, add a name range to a specific cell. And so next time you want to reference that specific cell, instead of saying like A1 or D5, you just reference that named range, which is like, you know, my variable or, you know, new value or whatever you want to call it. And so I feel like let is like a more 
somewhat user-friendly way of doing name ranges, but at the same time, let is kind of hard to understand and use in this as well. And so another reason why I gave it a two is because it's not that easy to understand and under, for, especially for a beginner or a user. So here's an example. So let's say I have um, in cell A43, I have the, I have product and then cell B, I have I'll call them B of generally, I have the ratings for all these products. So imagine three products in column A, red t-shirt, black jeans, hat, and then column B, C, and D, I have the generary ratings, like product ratings for these products. And in column E, I want to get the average score, but I don't want to just say, you know, average the three numbers from B, C, and D. I want to say, if the average rating across January, February, March for this product, if it is greater than four, I want the output to say high. If the rate average rating is between three to four, I want it to say uh, medium. And if it's three below, I want it to say low. So if you were to do this today in Google Sheets, I'm just gonna zoom in a little bit, you would say equals if um, average, I would select these three cells um, from B44 to D44, average of these three cells, if this is, what did I say, greater than four, then put the words high, comma, but if, the average is uh, greater than, what did I say? If it's the rate, average rating is between three and four, then give it a medium. So basically I wanna say, if the average is greater than three, then say medium. And then in all other cases, I just want it to be low because it's just gonna be below three. And fill, and that's what you get because just double check, I can get the average score really quick here on the right side in column F. And you can see here that, yeah, the it's basically outputting a medium, high, or low, depending on what the average score is. A pretty typical nested if statement where you have, you know, if the average greater than four, then high, then the false branch is another if average. So pretty simple, or I mean, relatively simple nested if statement. If I were to use let, I could write equals let close this helper out, let, let parentheses. And I first give it a variable name. I'm gonna call it AVG underscore rating. This is like the variable I use to find the average rating, comma. And then this is where I actually give it the average rate, the average formula. So I first write AVG underscore rating, that's my variable name. Then I write average, left parentheses, select my data. And then here's where I write the if statement as my formula expressions. I write equals if, AVG underscore rating is greater than four, then high. Otherwise, if AVG underscore rating is greater, is greater than three, then medium. Otherwise, low in all other, other cases. And it gives me the same results. And let's break down this let statement here in Google Sheets. So the first parameter is the, again, the, the variable name, AVG underscore rating. I then give it the output I want the output of average of B44 to D44 to go into that AVG underscore rating variable. And now that that happens, I can use that AVG underscore rating variable elsewhere in the formula without having to say average left parentheses B44. So it's kind of a quick and easier way to reference the output of the formula. And this formula, it doesn't seem like you're saving that much space or time because it's a simple nested if statement. But for more complicated formulas, 
you can have multiple named lets, or what do you want to call these named variables in the let statement and use them throughout the formula. So this may actually make readability and also debugging easier for uh, really long, complicated formulas. But in this case, it's really not that much easier because you only have one variable. And again, this feels really similar to name ranges. Um, in this case, the name range wouldn't really work because we have three different cells here. But if you only had one cell with an output a formula that you want to reference elsewhere, and this is really common in financial models where you have a bunch of inputs um, on, one, on one sheet that you want to use elsewhere in your model. In this case, this is where you might want to think about using the let state let function because you can use this variable name elsewhere in the formula um, expression, as they call it. So it's, again, it's a way, I think, to bridge the gap also to between people who are simply working in spreadsheets all day and perhaps people that want to get into using Google Apps Script or maybe Office Scripts here if you're in Excel. Because now you're thinking about treating formulas as variables versus just like, oh, this formula outputs this one thing, and then that's what gets that's what gets outputted onto my spreadsheet. In this case, you're now be able to use this um, variable name elsewhere in your formula, and it starts to get you to thinking into like, oh, what if I can use variables in Google Apps Script and other places? So I think it's kind of like a gateway to scripting if you've never done it before. So in that sense, it's probably not the most approachable function for a beginner spreadsheet user. Maybe it's not meant for a beginner spreadsheet user for that matter. Um, so that's why I gave it a usefulness rating of a uh, two. Um, all right, so that kind of is the list of new functions. I mean, these are all the functions that are listed in that blog post I mentioned, I linked to in the first paragraph of the show notes. Um, I. Looking back again, I think the most useful one is probably this like two call and two, or sorry, the, oh yeah, the two call and two row formulas. Just a simple way to kind of move data into like one single column or one single row. And that's, um yeah, that's kind of my, my thinking on that. So that wraps up for this episode. I want to mention briefly two episodes that I listened to um that aren't really that recent now that I think about it because these were episodes I listened to back in like January, February, but these are podcasts that I listened to that I think might be interesting for you all to check out. The first one is called, uh, from a podcast called The Defiant. Um, it's kind of about crypto and Web3. And this episode title is called Synthetics, DeFi Summer 2, FTX, 3AC, and Crystal Meth with Crypto OG, Kane Warwick. And around the hour mark of this episode, um, they are talking about how crypto was kind of like an addiction. And I think Kane even talks about how he was addicted to drugs and to kind of prevent or to kind of put off like improving his health and getting himself off the drugs. He decided to turn his addiction to like work and then eventually crypto. And he basically threw out this cautionary tale that crypto for some people is a way to escape their daily life, their daily struggles. And because the space is changing so fast, there's so much you can research, there's so much you can do, there's so many things that you can potentially get involved in. And that's why it's kind of like a, a very slippery slope of like get, becoming addicted to something that may not be for the 
best. And so he talks about like, what is your intention for not just getting into crypto, but getting into anything? Are you doing it to just avoid something in your personal life or your professional life? Or are you doing it just to like kill time? Or are you doing it because you're addicted to something? And, you know, they equate it to also like working for like a, you know, high growth startup where some people see that as their way to live. And it's, probably not super healthy. I mean, everyone's talking about like mental health these days and especially when it comes to work. Um, But they talk a lot about like how work can become like an addiction. And if you don't realize the intention behind what you're doing and what the broader goals are, then you're kind of just almost similar to like, you know, a heroin addict or something. Obviously not as extreme as that in terms of health wise, but the, when it comes to crypto, especially that similar kind of like you know, there's always something new in China to gamble on, so to speak. Um, that's where he said that crypto could almost be felt like an addiction similar to his drug addictions that he had to overcome. So at first I thought this was going to be just like another regular crypto podcast, but it got kind of deep around the hour mark. So kind of think it's worth listening to if you are into crypto and into deep thoughts, I guess. <laughs> Uh, the second episode I want to call out is from the forward-thinking CFO. Uh, this is actually from 2021, episode number eight. And in that episode, they talked to Brian Jones, who I think ran, used to be the head of Microsoft's head of product for Excel. And in that episode, around minute 20 or 21, um, Brian talks about how he saw some Excel file that was in the, from the construction industry. And the analyst, however, was building a model that might have been like you know, refined over months or years. And he was talking about how in these different industries, you might have vertical software, basically like software that's been built specifically for construction, specifically for plumbing, specifically for, um, I don't know, industrial chemicals or something. And the problem is that if there is a change that needs to be made or there is some new feature that needs to be added, you have to go back to that vendor to add in that feature. But if you are like this analyst who was building this model for the construction industry and he had this model that could take into account like the amount of sun that the you know property would get and like the wind and different environmental factors, if they want to make a change to that model, they can just talk to this analyst who has the business expertise and the industry knowledge to understand, oh, if I make a change to this model here, it'll affect these other things. And so you're no longer kind of tied to a software vendor, but rather to just people who, A, know how to use a spreadsheet, and B, are familiar with the business processes, the industry, and the nuance of working in the industry. And so just, I mean, I think this episode was just a great plug for why spreadsheets will never die because they, so many people understand them and they can be molded and shaped to be vertical agnostic. So they could be shaped to work in construction, in plumbing, in sales, in real estate, everywhere else. I mean, there's just so many places where you can mold them to almost act like software. And that's something I talk about a lot on this podcast, which is Google Sheets, Excel is kind of like the first no code tool where you can basically build these software applications without code and just use formulas and uh, proper formatting and, you know, drop down validations, all that good stuff. 
So definitely a good episode worth listening to just just for the sake that you know Brian Jones used to run used to be the head of product for Excel. So I think this episode, albeit it's from 2021, still worth a listen just because he sh- shares some really interesting nuggets of wisdom and stories like this uh, analyst who was building this construction model. All right, well that will wrap it up for this episode of Dear Analyst and again, you know, life is busy these days can't really publish and create these episodes as fast as I used to, um, but appreciate you staying listening, staying uh, in tune to all the, all the the episodes. And of course, I have the Google Sheet used um, in today's episode about the new 2023 Google Sheets functions that are in the show notes. So you can take a look and make a copy for yourself to play around with. And um, everything is also written out in the show notes as well. And that'll be it. So thank you for listening to this episode. Mm-hmm.